Hello everybody, welcome to episode 43 of the Canberra Football Show, your MPL2 season review. We've got a very special guest on the show, the man that knows everything MPL2, Chris Webb. Chris, how's it going, mate? Good. How are you guys going? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I mean, you know, shame about the season, but we're happy to at least be back and uh, chatting with everyone again. It's uh, That is very good indeed. Michael, how's it going today? Yeah, good. Thanks, Matt. Um, I was just watching the, obviously, the Premier League last night, and um, I'm actually in the middle of watching the Juventus and oh, Milan game, watching Excellent. that back. So, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Still winless this season, Matty. What's going on? Oh, we're absolutely a shambles, mate. We're, we're in the relegation zone as we speak. <laughs> you... Bring back Pirlo, I say. <laughs> fellow, fellow, I'm sure fellow Juve fans don't agree with me, but I've been saying from the beginning, don't bring back Allegri. It's not going to end well. And I I know it's only the start of the season. Obviously, we're not going to get relegated, but I still don't think we're going to make that top four. I could be wrong. Anyway, we'll... Uh, on to less depressing news. Let's get on to uh, the MPL two. Well, we're going to get into Chris's team of the season, but first, Chris, uh, first time we've had you on since lockdown. What did you think about uh, the decision to, uh, obviously not particularly to end the season as it did because you know it was everything was out of everyone's hands in that regard, but to uh, considering eighty matches, eighty percent of the matches were played, they decided to allocate uh, promotion and relegation and just hand out the league titles as they were. What do you think about that? Uh, look, so I'm not sure if you guys know, but I'm part of the Premier League Standing Advisory Committee. So essentially we played a, a small role in providing uh, advice to the board about what we think should happen at the end of the season. Look, I've probably got a little bit of cognitive dissonance about this. I, I think that they did the right thing in um, not abandoning the season, but actually concluding it. Um through whatever mechanisms uh, were available. Um, and, in, and in most cases, I think the outcome was rather fair and just. I know that there was there's precedence from Victoria and New South Wales that they did abandon the seasons, uh, but they didn't get through as much of the season as we did. We got closer to that kind of end mark where I think the end picture was a little bit clearer and there were a few metrics that we kind of floated around and no matter which metric you applied, you usually got the same outcome. Um, you know, Tuggeron going down, for example, especially after what happened with the, the forfeit with Tuggeron, with uh, Kuma, which is a completely different story and, and different. Um, how that yeah. kind of came about and whether that was the right situation or not. But with that result, they were virtually uh, relegated already. It was about a less than 1% chance if you, if you kind of worked it out um, that they were going to stay up before the games had played out. But, but the, the probably across the board through all the MPL youth, MPL uh, women's, one of the closest was the MPL2 men's going up. Oh, yeah. um, and so close that... It actually came down to round 16. Both teams were on the same points and a two-goal difference difference um, in O'Connor's favour. And then the next week, ANU unfortunately played Queanbeyan in that last game and were actually winning 2-1 um, come the 90th minute and then seven minutes into extra time, Queanbeyan scored an equaliser. So if, if the referee had just called full-time, 
in the 94th minute, 95th minute, we would we would have had a situation where both teams were still tied on points. And if that was the case, it would be pretty interesting to know what capital football would have done, whether they would have, because essentially the metric that they used was points per game. It would have been the exact same outcome and whether they would have gone to goal difference and a plus two goal difference, it would have ended up maybe plus three, four with, because they won three nil, whether that would have been enough, like, Again, that's very, very close. And I guess the other thing is they only ended up playing each other once. Um, ANU and, and O'Connor had their second round game rained out and they never got around to playing it. Um, so, again, if that game had been played and ANU had won that game, they would have been ahead. So it was just so close. But I think in the end, if you break it down, it was probably, it was the fair decision that O'Connor, if somebody had to go up, that it was O'Connor because the one game that they played, they O'Connor won. won that game. So yeah. I think that in the end, that probably means the right outcome came about. Yeah, and as we discussed in the previous couple of episodes, you're not going to make everyone happy in that regard, but at least there was some sort of conclusion because you've been involved in, uh, you know, in Canberra football for a while and especially around the Capital League and you, you've realised you know, promotion's been promised for a while. So it, yeah. it's good to see that there was at least some sort of outcome, of course. Uh, very tough for someone like an ANU, <clears throat> considering they were so close, but at least there was some sort of outcome in that regard. All right, before we get into the teams, uh, so, sorry, before we get into going through all the clubs in the ladder, let's start with um, Chris Webb's MPL2 team of the season, shall we, before we get into the teams that were voted um for by the uh, MPL1 and MPLW coaches in those respective leagues. Chris, take it away. So, look, let me premise this by only from listening to you guys and your last two uh, <laughs> podcasts that I thought, oh, well, might, might be a good idea to do a team of the season. But, look, unlike Russ's scientific method, <laughs> I have zero scientific method. So I guess you could say that Russ's teams are kind of the the – vaccines and mine is the anti-vaccine research that's uh, <laughs> gone into mine because essentially just picked it um, off my own head and and with a very limited amount of games that I got to see teams play um, other than the one game that was that was uh, telecast and a few highlights that I've seen from some clubs posting games against other teams it's really just the games where I got to watch um, so pretty much if a, if a player had a good game against Western, one of those two games, then they were likely to make it the team of the year because I would have watched them have those good games. Um, so, look, goalkeeper for me, um, Jack Miller, um, you, you, you have to look at uh, O'Connor's defensive record. I think, I don't have it in front of me, they, they conceded eight goals, something around that mark. Um, across 16, 17 matches. Uh, unbelievable. Um, and uh, It was eight goals, Jack, yeah. Yeah, Jack, Jack had a, a massive part to play in that. Fantastic goalkeeper. Um, and, and just nudging out um, Rory Larkin, for me, um, Rory at Queanbeyan, he was fantastic. Um, I think I said it in my pre-season write-up. Um, personally, I think Rory is the best goalkeeper in Canberra. Um, and a massive pickup for a second division team to, to, to grab him. And he was fantastic again this year. And, and the games that I watched, he was, he was fantastic. And even quite handy 
on the field in under 23s. He had a stint um, up front and he's not too bad. Um, center backs, uh, Monty Grace from uh, ANU, um, just a fantastic young center back. Um, a, lot of, a lot of pace, um, fantastic on the ball, very calm, just a really, really good quality um, footballer. And uh, I think he's going to be essentially a big player. He's around in Canberra um, for, for quite some time. Um, the other one, probably a kind of stalwart of Canberra football, um, you know, he's been around a long time and been part of ACT Rockets representative teams in the past, and that's Martin Zygmunt, um, another one from O'Connor Knights who had an exceptional year in, in the heart of defence. Um, fullbacks was, oh, I am, yes, fullbacks was a, a difficult one. Um, I think I ended up going for a little bit of uh, a licence and picked um, uh, Nick Hope from ANU at left back. Um, fantastic left-footed player. He, he's kind of that Mr. Fix-It. I know um, Adam Condipadero used him in a lot of positions. He's a really good central midfielder, really good centre-back. But he played um, out wide on the left against uh, Western in one game, I remember. And he actually was a direct um, two fantastic assists for two Sam Carter's goals and just had an amazing game and he's just an ex extremely consistent player. And one of those, one of the ANU kind of old guard who's been there for a long time and, and just a fantastic player there. Um, the other one was uh, from Queanbeyan, their right back, Dylan Colbertado, who um, again was, uh, had a great year. He's a young player. I think he was the, MPL 220s Young Player of the Year two years ago when we actually had a presentation night, um, that pre-COVID world that we can remember. <laughs> um, and he's kind of just kept coming along leaps and bounds and, you know, he's forced his way into the first team and, and, and a really stacked first team, but he's kind of made that spot his own. Uh, probably an honour. So on the bench, I had uh, White Eagles left back, Caleb Kalamrua, um, again, a fantastic player, played at a high level, but you know, MPL in Victoria, um, MPL one in, in Canberra. I think he was also part of the MPL two team of the year, official team of the year two years ago. Um, so again, another quality player. In the centre midfield, I had um, in that six and eight position, uh, Sam Carter's clearly. Um, I think I said this on the uh, previous times on the pod. He's the best player in this league, in my opinion. Um, and I think he showed it again this year. Yeah, he's been away in Sydney and he just came back and just essentially picked up that spot of saying, this, I am the best player here. Um, and the amount of goals he scored from not even a number 10 position, but a deep lying midfield position is just phenomenal. Um, and partnering with him, I had Daniel Roberts, um, again, another uh, O'Connor Knights player. Um, again, former Tigers, Tuggeranong, first grade player. And he was fantastic in the, the centre defence um, that he had with, with Liam Walsh. But I, but I just had Daniel pipping that. Um, and 
on the bench, um, Dayan Sandtrack, again, another a stalwart there, but he had a fantastic season, I thought. Um, in that 10 position, um, I think it was pretty clear he'd be my second runner-up for player of the season was uh, Michael Adams from Queanbeyan. Um, just an absolute fantastic talent. And on the bench, I had a young Pat O'Rourke from O'Connor again. Um, diminutive player, but just fantastic. He's only young. He's uh, come through that CUA program and just fantastically calm on the ball. Scored some headers. I don't know how he did that, but um, he scored quite a few goals again from that midfield and really uh, added a lot of kind of extra dimension to O'Connor's game, I think. Um, up front was was a tough one. Um, Nico Krezic, kind of out in the wide position, was my, my first choice. And again, I think I'm harping back to the last time I was on where I kind of said Nico and Michael Adams and Sam Carter's are my top three players. So um, he, was, he was instrumental in O'Connor getting promoted. Um, just a fantastic player who... If, if O'Connor can keep hold of him, he will be a special player in, in first grade next year. Um, at the number nine position, I uh, had Mark Shields. Uh, you know, again, another one of those older stalwarts. But he, he came in with a lot of expectations, even though you know he's in his late 30s and he was slow to start the season. And people kind of thought maybe you know, those expectations were a little high, but once he got going, he really got going and you know, he scored a lot of goals and I think he ended up second behind Sam Carter's in the end on the goal-scoring tally. Um, and my other wide player was Danny Roach from Ugali. Um, he probably didn't have the uh, same standard of season as he did last year, but last year he was clearly the best player. Um, undoubtedly, I think if you asked anybody, as Ugali kind of went through that season um, only losing the, that one game during, in, the, in, the, in the regular season, he was just borderline unplayable. That, and while he might not have been quite up to that level, he wasn't far off it. Um, and he was still um, a match winner for Yagali when they needed him. Um, and then on the bench, I had kind of two up front. Um, Ed McCarthy from White Eagles was just a, a fantastic player and scored some outrageous goals this year. I know he scored a few crackers against Western, but um, if you've seen it on social media, his goal against O'Connor Knights, which is the only game he's winner, is about the 91st minute. The only game O'Connor lost all season, and it was just a ridiculous strike. Um, and then another of the old guard, uh, Chase Deans, who had a fantastic year again. Um, I think a lot of people thought Chase might be close to hanging up his boots, but... Um, again, he was instrumental to, to ANU's run and almost winning the league. Um, so, look, I've just that's, that's kind of my team there. And I had some honourable mentions from, from the three clubs who didn't get a representative in there. Um, from Brindy, um, Oliver, young Oliver Wittesons, he's a, he's a centre-back, uh, I imagine, around 19. And... He's played in this league for the last couple of years and he, he's really come along leaves and bounds. And he's, he showed kind of maturity in that centre-back position 
way beyond his years. He's, he's big, strong, very, very calm and good on the ball. And again, um, someone that I think Brindy should be desperate to try and hold on to. Um, at Western, Gus uh, record was fantastic in centre midfield, really their box-to-box engine. Scored some outrageous goals. He he scored, I think, seven or eight goals, and probably six of them were from five, ten metres outside the box. Just he, he doesn't like the simple goal. And for Wagga, um, Luke Stevens is a, a very special player. And you know, you talk to a lot of the coaches in this division who played ended up playing Wagga. They they talk very, very highly of him. And he's someone who's actually moving to Canberra next year. So um It'd be, I'd really like to see him actually give MPL a, a run next year. I think there are a couple of clubs that he could actually get a bit of time for. So it, it would be a, it would be great. He's a great young player. Um, so yeah, look, that's my team. Again, as I said, not too much uh, scientific method went into that, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. I know you guys kind of know a lot of these players have. have Seen a lot of these guys play. Look, it was a pretty good team for me. I think the only person I would have put in there that you didn't have in the main starting 11 would have been Luke Stevens. Uh, that's the only one for me that I can think of at the top of my head that I would I would put in that team that you didn't put in there. But besides that, pretty good team. Any thoughts on that one, Michael? Before we move yeah. No, I think just quickly, I agree with you there, Matt. I think that's a good uh, shout out for the starting uh, 11 there. But I think generally that's a, a very good um, MPL uh, two starting 11, uh, Chris, so you've done well uh, there. Uh, there's plenty of quality uh, all across the park, as we as we saw um, in, in MPL2 uh, when, when we got the chance uh, this season. So um, big ups to those players. And hopefully um, MPL2 can, you know, still produce those, those uh, same quality uh, of players, even though we're losing, obviously, O'Connor Knights being promoted to MPL1. Uh, I still think that there's a mass amount of of talent, especially when you've got the likes of ANU that are going to be eager and ready to go to um, claim pr- promotion uh, next season. Uh, you've got White Eagles um, in Queanbeyan, uh, et cetera. So it's going to be a fantastic um, season next year. Uh, and plenty of these players uh, will, will still be in and around uh, bar the uh, O'Connor Knights uh, players. Yeah, no, hundred percent there. Let's uh, before we get into the MPL two teams in more depth, let's quickly go over the teams that Russ announced as the team of the seasons. Uh, he stressed that this isn't a Capital Football official team. Uh, this is a team voted <laughs> on by the MPL one coaches, and you, and the coaches were not allowed to choose their own players. And same for the MPLW team; they weren't allowed to choose their own players. Um, Let's start with the MPL one. Uh, in goalkeeper, we had Sam Brown from Canberra Croatia, and the substitute goalkeeper was Jacob Cole from Tigers. Defenders, we had Nick Forst uh, from Olympic, Lockie Griffiths from Tigers, Matt Gerbisher from Canberra Croatia, and Josh Calabria from Monaro. The substitute was Buddy Abbas. Uh, midfielders, we had Sam Rossbarken from Monaro, Gab- uh, Gabriel Cole from West Canberra, Rocco Stricker from Tigers, and the substitute was Nick Rathjen. Forwards, we had Isosuri Heggie uh, from Olympic. Nick Popovich, we had uh, from Tigers. And Bernabeu Madrid from Gungahlin. The substitute was Nick Tineski, Nikola Tineski. Um, Any quick thoughts on that? I mean, that's a pretty strong team, but I guess it was that competitive this year. Of course, I didn't see their 
Uh, the likes of uh, Gillespie, who easily could have made it, wasn't on there from uh, from first glance. And uh, naturally, I know he was injured, but naturally it's re- it's weird to see a team of the season without Jack Green in there as well. But obviously he was injured the majority of the season. Uh, most of these players uh, are pretty spot on the money and uh, there's still more players you could have added in there. That's how competitive it was this season. Any thoughts on that one, Chris, before we move on? Oh, look, it's a fantastic team. Um the one the one thing that I was probably most surprised about um, is probably going to come for shock to you um, is Matt Gerbisher. Um To me, undoubtedly, and it, I use that term quite literally, undoubtedly one of the top two centre-backs this city has had for the last 10 years. And I'd chuck Jack Green in there with him. Um, but I don't actually think this was his best year. Again, I probably didn't see enough of Canberra Croatia's games, um, but um, that's probably the high standards that I hold Matt to because I think he's just such a fantastic player. So, again, surprised, but whether they're, especially with Jack also out, whether there's another set of back that really stood up that deserved that spot. So, again, I'm not so sure. Um, and I, I'm very happy that young Gabriel Cole got a, uh, spot in the midfield. He's a he's a fantastic young player. Um, very very good. And look, Galeski, I think he's most people think he's one of the standout players in, in the competition. But th- that front three was probably inevitable, um, just by the goals that they scored. Um, Sosa in a in a team that was expected to struggle from the start, and he had a fantastic year. Obviously, they didn't struggle, and he was probably a big part of that. Um, and yeah, the other two. It's probably probably a surprise that some of those that Deacon front line that Tineski was kind of the only one in there, especially when he was a a late starter. He kind of moved mid season um, into the team, which is probably probably the only surprise. Um, I think Nick Cowfast actually ended up missing a fair bit of the season through injury, but um, Barrich and Greenwich were always quality, but. A good, good team. It's no doubt about it. Indeed. And next up, we have the MPLW uh, team of the year, of course, voted by the MPLW coaches. Uh, they weren't allowed to vote for their own players. In goalkeeper, we have Chloe Lincoln from the CUA, substitute with Sammy Ems. Uh, defenders, we had Tiana Jaber, Renee Juna, uh, Alice Churchill, Rhiannon Fensom, and Maddie uh, Percival uh, was the substitute. That was Maddie Percival from Gungahlin. Uh Juna Churchill, Fensum, all from Canberra, Croatia. And Tiana was uh, West Canberra, but then played for Belconnen as well. She still made the, uh, the amount of games required. In midfield, who else other than uh, Michaela Thornton, the stalwart uh, for Belconnen United? Jenny Bissett as well had a terrific season. Sasha Grove. Uh, for the CUA, and the substitute was Erica Pennyfield from Gungahlin. Up front, I'm pretty sure you two can guess who the three up front were. We had Ashley Sykes, Grace Gill, and uh, Brittany Palombi. And uh, uh, as a substitute, we had Talia Backhouse, who scored quite a lot of goals as well. So she was unlucky not to make that team. Any thoughts on that one, Michael, before we move on? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not surprised that the majority of the team is made up from... Um, Belconnen, Canberra, Croatia. Um, and you've also got, you know, Olympic and CUA. 
Um, but obviously, given how strong Belconnen and Canberra Croatia are in the MPLW, I mean, there's no surprises that a lot of their players uh, get the shout out there. But I mean, they're all uh, fantastic players. Uh, so I think those uh, selections uh, are definitely uh, warranted. I think we didn't get the full experience of Michelle Heyman at Gungahlin United. Obviously, she with- didn't play nine games, no. Yeah, so um, if she had played the nine games, then obviously, you know, um, she would have had obviously a fantastic shot as well, given her uh, quality up up front. So uh, I think uh, given the yeah criteria that you mentioned where you had to play over nine games and the list of players that you've just named off there, I think that is pretty much uh, spot on. Yeah, and for me, I guess the standout for me is the... Uh how well the young goalkeepers uh, went there. Both Chloe Lincoln and Sammy Ems there. Sammy Ems uh, got called up for Matilda's uh, training camp, like we mentioned in previous shows, and Chloe Lincoln as well, the CUA keeper. They both both got very bright futures, I think. I think some of the best games I've seen this season, some of the best saves and the best games I've seen this season has has been from those two between the sticks. So it's going to be um, interesting to see how they progress in their season. They both got a lot of potential. All right, let's get straight into the MPL2 review, shall we? Let's start with uh, first place, O'Connor Knights. They were, of course, crown league champions after finishing top of the table before lockdown happened. They And then more importantly, when you finish top of the table now, you get that elusive promotion to MPL1, which a club like O'Connor has been uh, fighting for for a very long time. Overall, very, very good season, like you eloquently put it, uh, Chris, in your sort of team of the season there. O'Connor Knights will, like I mentioned, be, would be stoked to be on top of the pile. Of course, finishing two points above ANU. And like you mentioned, Chris, the important thing for them was that they beat ANU in the one game that they did play 1-0. But it would have been... Uh, the, the one disappointment I have out of, like, the season finishing early, the biggest one for me is that we didn't see ANU and O'Connor play again. Because, like you mentioned, they had to play twice. And maybe would have got to the point where they would have had to play each other back-to-back because they were the last game of the season. But it wasn't looking like they were finding any time to play each other. So it could have been a back-to-back just before finals, which would have been sort of like a like a two-leg aggregate or something. It just mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to those two games. So for me, that's the biggest uh, bummer out of the lot. O'Connor Knights, uh, what's impressive for me was they, their ability to play both sides of the ball uh, against the, um, the teams that you would expect them to do well against. Uh, they went all out attack, uh, improved their goal difference. But the team's... Uh, that they were competing with for the top of the table, that's when they could show that they could play, they could defend well, they could keep it tight, break efficiently and well. You saw it, I think, in most of their uh, games against the top of the table teams, how solid they were at the back. Their midfield three also was fantastic, especially in that ANU game. I thought they were absolutely, and the Queenbeing uh, game at River, at sorry, at High Street that was um, filmed, especially those two games they were fantastic in. For me, the, their improvement in defense was probably their biggest standout for me compared to last season. But if you talk to anyone at O'Connor Knights, last season wasn't a real season uh, from them, not from me. Um, uh, they were they were also able to persevere throughout injuries, like uh, we mentioned quite a bit throughout the season. So it's always a positive that they had quite a lot of depth there. Chris, what did you make of uh, O'Connor Knights this season? Yeah, look, as I touched on before, um... They were, they were a very, very strong team. Um, fantastic squad. Fantastic squad on paper. Um, fantastic coach in Miro. Um, so 
expectations were always going to be high. Um, and but sometimes you don't meet them, and they they really kind of put it together. Um, their consistency was good, um, and they ground out a lot of wins. Um, you know, just got to look kind of at the table. They, they ended up top. Brindabella ended up bottom. They beat Brindabella twice by a single goal. Um, so, you know, it's not like they were putting six, seven past um, teams all the time, but they were just consistent at, at kind of getting those wins. One loss um, to, to a miraculous goal as well in, you know, in added time. So, and, and that was it. And then um, the only other points that they dropped was a draw on their second trip away to, to Griffith, um, which was only like the second or third last game, a one-all draw. And then surprisingly, a one-all draw with Weston um, earlier. It was probably about round four or five. Um, and look, to be honest, because I, I didn't get to see them too much, they weren't particularly good in that game. Um, Obviously, they bounced back. Um, Miro worked out what went wrong and they kind of corrected it and, and steered themselves forward because after that game, they only dropped one more point for the rest of the season uh, or two points. Um, look, quality, quality team. They have just, I think we've talked about it before. Again, how solid they are down the spine um, with, you know, Liam Walsh and Daniel Roberts, just extremely um, solid midfield pairing. Um, you know, Kynan Dodd and, and March and Sigmont, very solid in the middle. You know, they, they lost probably their best central defender, Dylan DeMontis, in preseason. Um, so a massive, massive hit for, for what would have been for most clubs. But in the end, they ended up still having the best defensive record. Um, out wide, you know, uh, Mitch Steenbergen, again, you know, he's been around forever, but he actually had quite a good year at left back. Jack Rutherford, the, the reigning, essentially, um, player of the year for, for MPL 2 from two years ago because we didn't have one last year. Jack probably didn't have his best season, but again, you know, it's kind of like my um, analogy with Matt Derbyshire. I hold, I hold Jack to an extremely high uh, level. So he probably didn't get to that, but he still had a fantastic year. Um, very solid at right back. Um, again, attacking in the middle, we talked about Pat O'Rourke, but then it's kind of that pace that they have up front. Nico Krezic, Josip, he didn't play very much, but when, when they could get him on the field, again, he caused a lot of trouble. Um, and Paki Manda, when he made that mid-season transfer, just again, another fantastic pace outlet. Um, but um, probably a good shout-out needs to go to Dave McCarron. Um, he made the kind of move over from White Eagles to O'Connor. It's a, it's a massive move um, across town rivals, but um, he, was, he was fantastic. Again, he's, he's not a spring chicken, um, but that's pro his game's not really based on, on, on too much speed. He's just uh, he's that fantastic kind of solid number nine and he, he was fantastic for them again this year. Big question uh, before we move on to ANU. How do you think they'll do in MPL1? Of course, they've got a coach in Miro that understands of MPL1 very well, having a coach there. Decent amount of their players also played there and, and even um, a lot of their 
younger players have played 23s at yeah. uh, MPL1, for example. So yeah, guy, even guys like Jordan Glover, they play, yeah. he played at Tuggeranong Premier League. They're a lot, a lot of first grade um, experience. What will be interesting is, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this in the last two weeks. There are a lot of MPL1 standard players playing in MPL2 and there, you always have to ask why are they playing in MPL two and not MPL one? And it's usually off-field reasons, their life reasons why they're not playing in first grade. And I kind of probably have a spattering of those who probably fit that mark. Um, guys like Liam Walsh, who's been playing first grade at Gungarland for the last four or five years. It will be interesting to know whether those guys will stay and play MPL one next year knowing that they kind of didn't play MPL1 this year for a particular reason so it will be interesting it, who knows Miro might just kind of have got them all together to go give us one year in first grade and they're all ready to go up together again I wouldn't be surprised because Miro is that kind of galvanizing character um, but that that will be interesting to say to who stays who who they even want to keep um, you know I'm sure that they and and who they they can attract so I'll be very interested if that team went up just as a complete package I still think they would actually do quite all right um you know MPL one's kind of this year I think it it ended up what we all thought was going to be a, a clear top four and bottom four took a long time to uh appear but right at the end I think that that started to appear and I think that O'Connor going up without any changes would actually be right in the mix in that kind of bottom four anyway. And if they pick up um, a few talented players, there's a good chance that they will uh, shock a few teams. I, I've got a feeling, no one would say it publicly, but I think that a few MPL1 clubs are probably going to take them a bit lightly. I think that, uh, you know, kind of welcome to the, to the, to the big boys, and I think O'Connor are probably going to revel on that and and uh, probably have a few surprises. Yeah. I, before we move on, I was about to say, you mentioned that there, and I, I there's a decent amount of MPL1 clubs I don't think will take them lightly. Monaro definitely will be one of them, considering they did play them in that FFA yeah. Cup match, and O'Connor led them for like the first half, I believe, or just before the first half. They understand their quality, and um, I, I think a lot of teams won't... Um, underestimate them but i understand the general premise of where you're coming from there are no connor knights from outside the first grade as well they're building their youth again i i saw on facebook that they're bringing in tony Oliveira, who's been around Canberra football for a long time to help uh, alex Teranich with the um with the youth program there and he'll be coaching 23s as well uh so you know it, they're a very ambitious club o'connor and best of luck to them i think they'll do well and like you said if they can pick up a few more players as well there's I reckon if they can pick up a few more players and keep playing as well as they do both sides of the ball, uh, they might shock some teams, grab some points, and maybe even fight for that top four if uh, all goes well. Uh, let's move on to second place. Michael, who do we have in second place? Another very good team that was uh, that did very well this season. Yeah, you're right, Matt. Uh, obviously, ANU uh, finished uh, second. Uh, they did possess the... League top uh, top goal scorer in Sam Carter's with 14 goals, as we touched on his quality a bit earlier. Um, they, I think they 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 proved to be a tough outfit uh, to break down pretty much 
uh, all season. And I and I, I do think that they have obviously one of the best squads um, in the MPL2 at their disposal. And I think that's what saw them compete up alongside uh, O'Connor for the majority uh, of the season. You know, it was just, and especially towards the end there, it just, it really came down just to those two teams. And you just thought, was one going to overtake the other? And O'Connor managed just to uh, hold on with that uh, two-point advantage. Um, and obviously, given the circumstances with with COVID, um, they, they were so close, but they just missed out on that on that promotion that they... Uh, had, had seeked because we, we know how much of a stonewall they've been in this sort of capital league MPL two uh, competition uh, over the last, you know, five plus years, They're, they've been, you know, one of the best teams in, in the competition uh, every, every year. Um, obviously apart from uh, the, the 2020 uh, campaign where they struggled a little bit, but aside from that, they've always been a constant feature in the, uh, in the finals uh, picture. And uh, I definitely expect them to, to come back um, a lot stronger uh, ne- next season and maybe with a little bit of a, a chip on their shoulder as well. Um, I think there's obviously many positives for um, Adam uh, Contepadero to, to take out of that um, 2021 season. Um, obviously, it's, it's disappointing that they weren't able to clinch uh, promotion uh, but like I said, uh, they had the top goal scorer in the league. They were right up there until the end of the season. And, you know, maybe a few, just a few tweaks and, and turns um, to take into next season could see them make that, um, make that jump uh, to be the side that's promoted in uh, 2022. Uh, Chris, what did you make of their uh, season? It was obviously very, very close, like I mentioned, between uh, them and O'Connor. Uh, to clinch that uh, promotion spot. Um, I can imagine it must be obviously a little bit frustrating for them to miss out in, in those circumstances, having been uh, so close. Yeah, look, I, I know that they are very frustrated and because they wanted to see it played out on the field. And as we said, you know, two more league games against O'Connor, very likely two finals games against O'Connor, um, and as, you, as uh, Matt kind of said before, it was, it was shaping up that they were going to play each other three times in a row. They catch up, then rounds, then the final round, and then the first round of finals. Yeah. Just um, would have been an absolute crazy uh, thing to, to witness. Um, but look, they, they had a fantastic year. Um, you know, they've always got high expectations and last year was kind of um, pretty tough. Yeah. tough one for them um and so adam kind of came in and he really picked up the pieces extremely well and got them playing some fantastic football he changed the formation around and you know, they kind of moved to a, a three five two and um they their, their energy levels um the movement off the ball it's it's just they're a fantastic team um We've talked about some of the players, guys like Sam Carter's, you know, some players didn't have fantastic seasons. Um, another guy I think we've talked about before, who's definitely been one of the best players in this competition the last four or five years is Max Model. And he missed a, a lot of the season through injury. So he never really got to full flight. Um, and he was kind of just coming back into full fitness form um, at that tail end. So again, He's just a kind of that added 
um, weapon that would have really helped them in those kind of crucial games at the end. But alas, we don't get to see it. They had some some really, you know, their, their under-23s team is fantastic, um, as, as I had to witness firsthand. Um, and some of the, the young players kind of stepped up during the season. Um, there were Gus Coleman um, was, was really good when he was called, but um, the, this Leo Hadley was a fantastic young player, and um, I think he'll be one who will be straight into their, to their first-grade squad um, next year if, if he's still there. Um, again, look, we, we talked about the kind of um, Hopi and, and Monty at the back. Um, and one player that I think that they missed um, was that the young Liam Neeson, who they had up front and was just scoring goals for fun to start the year, but he, but he essentially had a season-ending injury. So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, how bad that was and whether he'll be back next year because that would be a really big pickup for them. Um, I guess an interesting thing will be to see whether whether Jan and uh, Chase, um, who are essentially the, the two elder statesmen, um, hang around next year. Um, look, I think that they they'll definitely be involved in the club, um, but whether they uh, go around one more time at this level, um, I suspect they both will. Especially the way that the season ended, I it's a funny thing. Sometimes I think if they had actually won and got promoted, those two probably would have hung up their boots. Um, it's just a feeling that I would have had. But now I think that they've got some unfinished business. So I, I suspect that they'll both probably go around again next year. Matt, uh, do you have any uh, thoughts to add on before we uh, move on uh, at all in terms of how ANU uh, played this season? And uh, and obviously we, 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 we've touched on just how close uh, they were, but I mean, they'll use plenty of incentive to come back next season. Hundred uh, percent to gain promotion. Like like Chris said, I think there'll be a fire in their belly even greater than it you know would have been even if they just just missed out on the field uh, per se. Um, because yeah, fan, like every time I saw them play, they were yeah they were always one of the best uh, sides on the field. Or nine times out of ten, I saw them play. Uh, anyway, um, I guess one of the only teams they sort of stumped well it was stumped sort of more than once by were white eagles where they drew twice in the three in the three matches they played them they did win the other one though but the majority of them they mostly you know they uh dominate a lot of possession created a lot of chances uh they were always great to watch play if you go want to go go watch a game definitely anu is one of your shots and mpl2 in that regard and i think the big thing for them moving to next year is the um how settled that group is Chris, you know, you, Chris has been around for a while. He'll tell you how important it is to have a settled group, especially uh, in uh, Canberra football. And I think that will play into their hands heading into the promotion race next year. I think that's going to be crucial uh, for them because a lot of the other teams might not have that sort of stability that they do. All right, let's move on to White Eagles. Uh, White Eagles this year, third place. Uh, up and down season, um, I, I guess before you forget, uh, they were in fourth place, ended up in third place because of the twenty, uh, the 24 point deduction for Queenbin, which Michael will mention later when he covers Queenbin. But up and down season for Eagles, like I mentioned before, began the season very well. Uh, O'Connor, they had a win against O'Connor, they had a draw against ANU, a, a, a big win against Brinda Bella. Uh, they started the season very well, but it, I guess it all came crumbling down with that 7-0 uh, 
uh, thrashing against Cremian City at High Street. I was there. I saw the second half of that one. That's when it was like five nil in the second half, and it was just mm. you could you could just tell it just it just wasn't good. Besides the fact that they let in those goals, just the morale did not seem there after that match, which was surprising considering how well they did going into it. And I think the big thing for Eagles is they didn't have the stability with the coach. They started the season with Steve Forshaw, and then Eric Benet took over until they found another coach. Brought back Graham Plath. Plathy was only there for a little bit. Then they had Eric again to finish the season. Oh, that that didn't. I don't think they helped the White Eagles throughout the season. So for me, if they want to push, oh, we all know they have the quality to push for the top four. But uh, if they can sort out the coaching situation next season, keep that secure, then I think they have a good shot of making. If they don't have it, it's it's going to be a little difficult, and they'll probably have an inconsistent season. But they'll have great performances they could easily still make the top four and they'll have great performances like they did this season as well of course with the win against O'Connor and and the Brindies to be specific as their biggest wins Uh, Brindies in terms of goal uh, how many goals they scored and O'Connor in terms of the importance of the victory so what what did you think of uh, the White Eagles season Chris a little up and down exactly that up and down that's I think the only way you can describe it um they, you know, they lacked consistency. You think about it, the only team to beat O'Connor, um, two draws off ANU, so they took the most points off ANU. The only team to beat O'Connor. Then they lose 7-0 to Queanbeyan. They lost, I think, to Wagga. Um, there was a, I remember there was a red card in that one, but you have to, yeah, in terms yeah. of Wagga, you have to be what's in front of you, and they took it yeah. down. So, you know, so just they just couldn't get that, consistency on there and off the off the field it showed um you know four different coaches in a, in a season um so it's uh not not the uh you know look we talk about it white eagles are the standard bearers for this competition um as michael would know you know from being involved in the club going back 10 years ago it was almost guaranteed White Eagles would be in a grand final. Yeah, that, and anything less was a failure for them. So to kind of have this season, it's it's probably a, a little bit off what they're used to. Um, but in the end, kind of from where they were looking mid-season, it act, they they kind of pulled uh, pulled it all together, and um, it was ended up kind of saving a lot of face because it could have gone a lot worse than it did. And in the end, they finished third in a, in a extremely strong competition. So actually when you kind of boil it down, it wasn't too bad. That look, they had a, they had a very, very strong team. Again, I would say it's not the best Wild Eagles team, but you know, teams with um, Adam Rogic and the, you know, they've had some absolutely fantastic quality players in here but this team was actually quite good Dayan again he's, he's not in his prime but he still had a fantastic year um, you know, we talked about Caleb from that left back position um, Ed McCarthy up top scored some fantastic goals I was really impressed by uh, young Gabriel Ayul um, a young player who kind of came over I think he'd played a bit of first grade at Gungahlin a few years ago um, Fantastic striker, strong, fast, great technique. Um, and another one who really impressed me is the young Rowan Maxwell, um, centre midfielder, fantastic player. Um, I, I, a lot of raps 
um, from White Eagles over the last two years. Um, and it was probably the first time I really ever paid an, a lot of attention to watch him play and extremely impressed. He, he's a very, very good player. So again, a player I think White Eagles would like would be kind of looking to build their team around going in the future. Uh, Michael, who do we have next up? Yeah, next up, we've got uh, Yulgali, uh, who, who finished uh, fourth uh, in this season. Uh, they were obviously uh, semi-finalists uh, of the FFA uh, Cup qualifying uh, comp. So uh, they, they did uh, really well uh, to reach uh, that stage uh, of the competition. Um, and obviously last, last season, they were the grand final uh, runners-up. And they just didn't manage to obviously emulate the successes uh, of 2020 uh, into 2021. But I think they did fantastically well to come back uh, throughout the season um, after, you know, enduring a pretty um, rough start uh, to 2021. uh, We thought, where were they going to end up? Where were they sort of going? We didn't really know what direction they were, they were heading in uh, to say the least because of the results that they were getting at the start of the season. And, we were obviously casting our mind back, minds back sorry, to how well they had done the previous season um, and we're just sitting there thinking, well, what's, what's going wrong? And I know that there wasn't obviously a large sample size to take out of last season because there was only um, so little games that, that were played, uh, even with the final series. But um, I think they showed uh, fantastic resilience um, to put behind the form that, they went under uh, to start the season and they managed to claw their way back. Um, and I think they did well uh, to clinch a spot um, in, inside the top uh, for all things considered. So, uh, Chris, do you sort of just resonate uh, those uh, sort of feelings uh, at all? Or is there anything else uh, that stood out uh, in your mind uh, when you take a look at um, Yulgali and, and where they finished up in fourth uh, position? Yeah, look, I, I think... It was probably the travel that really got them. Um, they didn't they didn't have that much travel last year in that shortened season. Um, you could see by mid-season, um, they were sometimes travelling with 19, 20 players for two games um, and, and just doing a whole lot of uh, kind of self-preservation in the 23s to just get themselves through and, and ready for... To, to play the, the next game in first grade. And, and they were still getting results. And I think that you've got to say hats off to them for doing that because um, without that, if, if guys were playing, if they were having 14 fresh players in first grade, I think it would be a very different story. And, and I guess you, you kind of look to their FA Cup run and that shows when they had fresh team, what they could actually do. And it, you know, going all the way to that semi-final, drawing with, the MPL one champions in, in Tigers, um, you know, they took them to, to extra time. Um, would they, that was fantastic. Probably uh, watching that game was almost the best performance by an MPL two team in any game that I saw this season, their game against Tigers. Um, last year, they had this amazing tag team up front with, with Danny Roach and Mitch Bagianti. And um, they were they ended up being the top two goal scorers in the league last year from one team. You know, that's just crazy in itself. But um, Mitch didn't end up playing many games. I think he played three or four games 
in the end this season. And I think that that probably um, affected Danny Roach in the end. Um, they had a really good understanding, those two. Um, so it was it's one player, you know, you, you see it, Liverpool, you can see what taking one player out of a team can do. You know, the whole chemistry can fall down sometimes. Um, I think a really good shout-out has to go to uh, Mason Donadell. He, he, I think, probably ended up their second top goal scorer. He was playing a good 60, 70 minutes in 23s every week and then starting for first grade and then would go on and score two goals in a game in first grade. Um, and, I again, I imagine um, he's probably only 17, 18, 19, somewhere around there. So... Um, a fantastic player, and again, if 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 Ugali stay around, and uh, he definitely is one that they're a hundred percent going to make sure that they try and keep hold of. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to sort of yeah. echo the thoughts you you guys are saying about uh, Ugali. Uh, props to them at Wagga for you know making those trips is always difficult, especially when you get players you know sort of uh, unable to make the the trip due to you know you know and, and COVID ended up hampering these sort of fixtures anyway from both sides but to do that you know every second week and I know at one point with some injuries I had a very thin squad and I think he said in the interview that we had on Facebook here um, Luke Santolin said look at the at the start it was hard to deal with because we didn't have to travel too much last year but he felt they were coming to their own and everyone sort of figured out their the way how to handle you know these sort of moments. And I think we're going to see if they can keep the core group of their players together. I think we're going to see an even improved season from, uh, Oak, uh, sorry, from Ugali next season. Next up, we have fifth place. We have their Riverina counterparts in Wagga city wanderers. Of course, they were the reigning before this season. They were the reigning uh, MPL two grand final grand final winners. They also had a good run in the FFA cup, uh, knocking out Brenda Bella, uh, on their way to Monaro. Uh, at, at the end of the day, though, they were also Charity Shield uh, runners-up also. Look, it, it was a tough season for Wagga. We've mentioned many times on the show, it was a big transition year. It's very hard for any team to lose as many starters as they did, uh, considering how good they were last season. And to expect them to finish uh, in the top four as well, it was always going to be a tough ask. David Leonard was pretty realistic of the situation. He said, for us, look, we're just going to improve all the young players that they have. The young players won uh, 23s as well. But as, as you would know, Chris, uh, to bring up that many 23s players and expecting them to convert uh, their form from 23s to first grade, it's easier when it's a couple of players, but as many as they had to, it's always going to be difficult. In saying that though, they've got some big wins throughout the season. Uh, Wagga City Wanderers, like they win against... Like they win against White Eagles, uh, they win against yeah. So it's uh, they win against Brindabella, I think as well. They got a good win against them also. So uh, it's a team that I think there's a lot of young players, and if they can keep the core of the young players, the, the only problem is, of course, they're going to be losing Luke Stevens, who I thought was an absolute standout this season. Some of those goals he scored was absolutely terrific. Um, and like I said, I agree. I hope hopefully we see him in MPL. Uh, Give MPL one a crack as well. I think he'll do well with certain sides there. Um, in saying that though, yeah, Wagga, it's the issue with them uh, that most of their younger players move on to uni, don't they? And move on for jobs. So it's going to be difficult for them. But I hope they've got a good core there, got a good, 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 good culture there. Hopefully they can bounce back next season. 
In saying that, though, they did get some good wins throughout the season. What do you think about uh, Wagga, Chris? Yeah, look, as as we all predicted, it was going to be a tough season for Wagga. Um, they lost pretty much 90% of that, that championship winning team. Um, and, yeah, bringing in so many young players uh, was always going to be hard coming into a league that's this strong. Um, and, again, just like uh, Ugali, they have that extra factor of, of travel. And it, they, they do have probably another added issue, um, and, and this is probably an issue going forward, is not only do they have that kind of uni um, issue where you know, guys get to uni age and they leave, but they have a reasonably strong local league, and that's a blessing and a curse in a way, while Ugali's, Ugali's domestic competition has kind of fallen by the wayside a little. Um, and Harnwood, there are their big arch rivals, now play in the Wagga competition. Um, players actually have a choice to either play for Wagga City Wanderers and travel to Canberra every second week or just play in their local competition. So they do have a tough battle trying to convince the best players in Wagga to play with them rather than play in a competition. And you can see that from over the last three years, the kind of guys who come in, then go out, back to the, the league and back in. So um, it it's tough. And when you're not winning, that makes it even harder. So, you know, I they're going to have a tough year. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how their recruiting goes this year when they're going to try and convince a whole bunch of guys who played in the local Wagga comp to come when they would just see, well, you didn't win many games, so why would we want to travel all the way to Canberra to, to not be winning too many games when we can just play in what is a, what is a quite a decent competition in Wagga? So um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do um, there because obviously you know, they, they, they can only fish in the pond that they've got. Um, so it's really going to be a battle about convincing the best players because, look, if the best players in Wagga all played in that team, it would be a very, very competitive team. It's just getting all those guys to be part of it. Yeah, so up next, we've got Quebian uh, City uh, in sixth position. Uh, they obviously had uh, Mark Shields, who uh, we touched on earlier, uh, finish up as a runner-up in the in the goal-scoring uh, charts in, in MPL uh, 2 this season. Uh, he had a great year after what Chris mentioned earlier about experiencing a bit of a slow start, uh, which can happen uh, to strikers, especially playing in a new, uh, in a new team. Uh, but once he, you know, scored uh, his first couple of goals, it, it just come, kept coming uh, from that moment onwards. And I think that's what it takes uh, for strikers. It's easy to go through a, a bit of a dry spell when the ball's not going in. But once you get one of those to, to fall into the back of the net. That's the sort of kickstart that you just need. So uh, I think that's what happened to Mark uh, during the uh, season uh, this year. Um, they were obviously well inside um, uh, the top four uh, all season uh, behind uh, O'Connor and, and ANU. And obviously the the big talking point um, and, the, and the massive highlight um, when you associate their 2021 uh, campaign and why they finished in sixth position was um, the massive point deduction that they endured of 24 points, which put them right down uh, the table and um, obviously kissed goodbye any hopes of 
um, gaining promotion or even getting a top four spot. Um, and then uh, most recently, uh, this past uh, Sunday night, uh, Coach Gabby Wilk announced uh, on his Facebook that uh, he's no longer the coach uh, of Queanbeyan City after just one season uh, in charge. So I think we can expect a lot of change uh, to come uh, in this Queanbeyan City team uh, next season uh, because I know that obviously the pedigree that Gabby Wilk has in Canberra football um, over the last you know 15 or so years, uh, especially at, at Cooma and the, and the players that he was able to convince to come and play uh, in Queanbeyan, that is no longer there. So it's now a matter of how many of those players are actually going to stay around uh, for next season. So they could look uh, a whole lot different than they did uh, this season. So there's a lot of questions being posed in and around um, th- their squad uh, for next season. But this season, you know, they were in the top four. Um, you know, they, they got some uh, very big results, you know, as you mentioned uh, with the uh, 7-0 win that they got over uh, Wide Eagles. They, they had that in their, uh, in their repertoire. I think they, in my opinion, they were probably the most dangerous side going forward with the, with the players that they had, um, they were probably, they probably had the best attacking talent. And in terms of just having players that can put the ball in the back of the net, um, but it was just inconsistency around um, other areas around the field. And um, obviously the point deduction didn't help uh, with uh, their cause either. So um, I think there were obviously a few positives in and out throughout the season, but obviously that was overshadowed by, uh, what was uh, to occur later on in the season with the point deduction. So um, what did you make of uh, Queanbeyan City's uh, season, uh, Chris? Uh, look, I echo everything that you just said. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens now that Gabby's gone. He pretty much single-handedly brought in 90% of that team. Um, so to see whether they stay or there's just a mass exodus, um, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens with that club. Um, I think I said this before um, on a previous pod. Look, on paper, they are the that's the best, strongest squad on paper um, in this season. And look, I'd I'd liken it to the you know, Galacticos in the early thousands, where when that team was on, they would they could win games six nil, seven nil, but they didn't win the. La Liga that year, well, the second year that they were in there because they were inconsistent and this team was inconsistent. And it, it's funny because their inconsistency was only against the other top two. They didn't drop a point against anyone below them. Mm-hmm. ANU and O'Connor did, but they lost uh, every single game except for a draw, that last game, a draw with ANU. They lost both games to O'Connor. They lost two to ANU. Um, so, they, you know, you kind of that flat track bully mm-hmm. tag. They were they were good. At, they they think they put six against Wagga twice. They put five against Brindy, five against Western, seven against White Eagles. But when they came to playing those 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 two teams ahead of them, um, they just couldn't put it together. And um, yeah, it, look, some fantastic quality players in that team. A lot of guys who have won first grade at at Tigers with Gabby. Um, so then you had a lot of trust in those guys, but um, I think 
they had a lot of high expectations. I think the club um, financially put a lot of backing behind them and with a lot of expectations. So it's going to be interesting whether they're willing to invest as heavily as they did this year, again, um, noting essentially what happened. Um, in terms of the points deduction, look, whether it was right or wrong, um, you know, you could get into that debate for a long time. But I actually feel sorry for them in a way that I think uh, Queanbeyan ended up taking the brunt of what a lot of indiscretions that happened in MPL1. Um, there were some, some fights um, in car parks and on the field um, and, and spectators getting punched and things that we all saw on um, bar TV, mm-hmm. uh, referees getting abused and not enough action was taken and there was a lot of pressure put on capital football for more action to be taken than just fines but points. And then when it happened to Queanbeyan, I think they then copped the brunt of all the pressure that had been put on capital football from indiscretions from other clubs. So in that way, I kind of feel a little bit bad for them. I think that they kind of um, copped a lot of what other people had built up. But um, whether it was right or wrong, yeah, again, I'm not sure. But um, look, I think that the, the solace that they can find is it absolutely had zero bearing on the season for them. Um, COVID meant that um, they weren't going to win the league anyway because they were they were seven points you know behind those behind ANU I think so you know it's just a little bit of pride saying that you finished sixth instead of third so I think uh, they really um, kind of probably dodged a bullet in 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 some ways but the I think it's going to be the effects of what. Whether that had any uh, thing to do with Gabby leaving, and then what are the knock-on effects from Gabby leaving? I think that that's really going to be the, the main story here. Absolutely, Matt. Do you have any uh, thoughts and feelings on uh, Queenie's twenty twenty one campaign before we move on? No, you guys mostly um, mentioned it there. I guess it was a good point to mention that they weren't able to get any wins bar that draw against White Eagles. Um, sorry, not White Eagles against um, ANU early on because that was the big thing that cost them in the end. Those must-win games they weren't able to and they weren't able to be in that top, you know, race at the end. Uh, in saying that, though, geez, got, like Michael mentioned, going forward, just the few, ga- like the few games I was there, uh, especially their, their one match against Western, uh, it, it could have been 15. It was just they were that deadly on the counter. They were that deadly on the run. It was It was frightening at times. And of course, the most impressive one was, of course, at, at victory against White Eagles. It was just, I, I don't think I've ever seen such a one-sided game in Canberra. That was just uh, against, with two quality opposition as well, like two rivals. I haven't seen such a one-sided game. That was insane. So yeah, look, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year with Gabby moving on. But they are, uh, you know, uh, they're still a very ambitious club. Uh, I know, I know that, a lot of people, a lot of the people there, similar to O'Connor and and some of the other clubs, they really want to make MPL one. They want to push to be back in that top division again. And even though that Gabby's not there, um, best of luck to Gabby as well, might I add. Yeah. It's going to be uh, they're still going to push for it regardless. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see some either some of those players staying or they bring in some other players uh, that might do the job for them. Uh, like I said though, 
it's going to be difficult against a, a t- but once again we're talking about a team which might have a lot of change while ANU won't have any change but that's something that we'll mention next year in our preview uh, next up we have 7th place Western Malongolo tough season uh, for the Western side ha- once again hampered by injuries we mentioned this throughout the season but they had a lot of injuries in saying that though they were able to get some good results uh, like uh, that draw against uh, O'Connor and that big win against uh, Wagga City Wanderers. There were still uh, moments of uh, very good stuff there from uh, Weston. Some very good goals as well from Weston, uh, Weston, like you mentioned, with records, goals. What would you make of uh, Weston's season? A lot of injuries. Yeah, look, again, it was probably uh, similar to White. It was that, that very up and down, um, inconsistent season. Um, it it was a tough season again. Yep, with those those injuries. Um, so the the kind of starting eleven chopped and changed <laughs> every single week. Um, but uh, look, they were they were up against quality opposition. So I I don't think that the final position on the table is that unfair. Um, they they had some really good wins and there were some really good standout performances. Um, as we said, Angus' record was fantastic in the middle. Um, Abby Delahi um, up front. I mean, he started off with me in the twenty threes um, and and moved um, to first grade to fill a hole. Um, and he was he was fantastic. Um, I think he scored eight in in ten or something like that. Like he was nearly a goal a game. So. Um, he was really good. Um, Rory Evans, one of the centre backs, had a fantastic year. Um, you know, and new, new to Canberra, and he was quite a good quality player. And um, some of the 23s who kind of had to come up and, and fill in, fill some of those holes. Um, Mitch Webb um, at right back was absolutely fantastic. Um, did not look out of place playing against... Um, pretty much anybody that he, he kind of came up against, um, probably one of the fastest guys in the competition. Um, and um, young Charlie Graham, who came on into the midfield, um, I think he was probably the man of the match in most of the games that he actually played um, when, when he came on. So, um, look, at it, again, it was, it was a tough season. Um, some of the guys kind of probably weren't in their best form, you know, um, Sam McLaughlin, who's uh, just a fantastic player. Again, he was in the MP, the MPL two team of the year from two years ago. Um, he didn't play last year. He had some injuries, so it took him a long time to get anywhere near the kind of level that, that we know he can play at. And he was really just try, starting to hit his strides. Kind of again, it's a, it's a common story um, when COVID hit. But um, look, they. Again, again, we kind of talk about with White Eagles, um, they could have capitulated a few times, I feel, with, with so many things going against them, but they actually um, rallied quite well and, and they had a fantastic win in that last game against Brindabella. So a, a pretty good way to, to finish the season for them, I think. Um, and look, Ned Jens, he did, he did a really good job. Um, you know, when you have so many of these things go wrong off the field, it's it's hard to kind of keep that energy level up, but no, he, he just kept driving forward and, and kept the guys going. 
Well, in, in, I echo those uh, sentiments indeed. Well done to Ned Jaynes and the job he's done at Western, considering all the all that was put in front of them. Uh, Michael, who do we have up in eighth place? Yeah, so eighth and last uh, was Brindabella uh, Blues. Um, Brindy's announced actually over the over the weekend that coach uh, Zoran Glavnich um, has stepped down, and uh, they've replaced him with uh, Ray Juno. Uh, as head coach so uh, most recently um, Juno he coached uh, the CUA uh, youth league uh, sides um, the Central Coast Mariners Academy teams and uh, Brenda Bella under 18s uh, as most recent as last season so um, he'll take the reins uh, for the 2022 campaign and in my opinion I think that's a great move uh, for um, this Brindy's outfit that obviously struggled a lot uh, last season um, with sort of player uh, departures, performances on the field. Um, they just weren't able to really keep any any structures. As hard as Zoran um, tried, and uh, I mean, he, he's a great coach uh, within himself. Um, and, and I think his sort of uh, resume speaks uh, to that. Um, it just didn't work out uh, last season. And, and I think it's a new sort of era uh, under uh, under Ray Juna. So we'll see how they go next season. But in terms of this past season, uh, like I said, they struggled all season long uh, to, to get results. And I think, um, you know, they, they only managed uh, two victories all, all season in, in just 17 games. So I think that really speaks to the difficulties that, that they that they endured uh, throughout the season uh, and you know I think that was highlighted when they lost uh, Schaefer to uh, Belcon and United uh, during the season um, that was what looked like their only uh, goal threat um, for Brindies and uh, I suppose when you take that when you take a personality like that out of the team that is providing you uh, your goals uh, you start to look around uh, the pitch and and wondered to yourself, well, where where are they going to come from now? And I think that narrative um, was on showcase uh, from when uh, Scafer left, and, and they just weren't able to uh, recover, unfortunately. Um, and and hard, wins were just really hard for them uh, to to get on the board. Um, what did you think uh, of how um, of the Brindy season, uh, Chris? I think there was obviously a lot of negatives uh, to focus on. Obviously, I think it's easy to get caught up in the negatives when um, you're sort of discussing and breaking down a team that has just finished um, last in, in, in the most recent season. Um, but they obviously had a lot uh, to deal with. They lost one of their best and key players and they just weren't able to recover from that, weren't they? Yeah, look, um, I think we touched on it before. Two games against O'Connor and the top of the table champions who got promoted and they lost by a single goal. It's it's not like that they were getting completely whitewashed by teams. Um, you lose your top goal scorer, who was, I think, top of the league goal scorer Fine, mid-season. Um, yep. And also um, Misich, who also left to O'Connor. Very hard to just take those two guys out. Um mid-season and then kind of keep going when you're already battling to get where you were mid-season and then to lose those two players. I actually think uh, 
Zoran was fantastic. Um, yeah. He's a really good coach, and he gets these guys playing really good football. I, the game that I saw them at Bowden Park, I was very, very impressed. Um, really, really, they're very, very strong down the spine. Like I said, you know, um, Ollie at centre back, and then um, Dave Gurney and, and Nico Blaskovic in the in the middle were very, very solid. Probably one of the most solid centre midfield pairings in there. And then with Zach Lawrence and, and Curtis Schaefer up front, it was it was a really, really good spine. Probably they didn't have the the, the quality of the supporting players. They were they were all good, but they probably just weren't at those guys' level to to um, you know push for for top four. But um, they still played very good football um, collectively. Um, so, and I think that that really comes down to, to Zoran's influence. So, look, Ray's, Ray's one of the top two, three coaches in Canberra. Um, you know, he's, I think he was, he's been involved in the women's national team set up. He's yeah. uh, you know, Canberra United WE coach for a little bit. I Just because you put one of the top coaches in, in there, I'm not sure if that immediately um, is going to fix all the problems, but... He, you know, like I said, Zoran was a quality coach as well. So he's going to face those similar issues, I think, that, that Zoran had to face. So um, if they can hold on to those guys, I think that they had some quite good guys coming through their, through their 18s. They actually had some very good players in their under-23s side as well um, that they could kind of bring up. Um, but... Look, it's going. It's always going to be interesting for for those teams. It's always interesting for a team that comes last to see what that they what they can do to strengthen for next year. Absolutely, Matt. Do you have any uh, thoughts? Uh, yeah. Obviously, I think that. Sorry, just before you oh. get into it, um, I, I think one of the biggest um, things to take away f- from this is that they're going from having one great coach in. In, in Zoran Glavnich to another great coach uh, in Ray uh, Juna. So, I mean, from their standpoint, that's um, two great coaches uh, to have back-to-back and now they enter this era with with Ray Juna. Um, just how important is it is that move going to prove to be um, heading into next season? And I guess even though they, did, they weren't great this season, um, there'll still be plenty... Uh, well, there'll still be some positives for um, Ray and the club to take from this season going into next season, won't they, Matt? Yeah, and I'm sure Ray would have seen a good amount of the games uh, when he could, and he would have he would have seen them playing some great football, like uh, you guys have mentioned. I think a lot of the times I saw Brinda Bella play, I was very impressed with them. I thought they were in some of the games. I thought they were unlucky. Uh, granted, you can't call unlucky in every you know in, in every game you lose. I guess this is sort of I get, yeah. I guess uh, maybe Tyrone can make some of these uh, some of these uh, calls as well. But the problem is, you know, even if you're unlucky a lot, you can't call it all the time. But gee, some of the games I saw them play, they were playing some great football. I rate Zoran as a coach, like you guys have said. I think he's a really good coach, and like you said, his resume speaks for itself. He won't have any issues finding another finding another good uh, coaching gig, whether it's an MPL one or two. I think he'll uh, definitely find one soon. And I think the important thing for Brindy's is uh, 
the preseason. Uh, they've announced it at a good time. He has a long time to work with the squad. I'm not sure when the Brindies uh, preseason starts, but if it starts late this year, if they can do it like most clubs will try to do, that'll be important for them. It'll be interesting to see if he can attract a few players as well because he's had a lot to do with uh, youth teams in the past. And uh, I've been intrigued to see if he can bring some players that he's coached formerly that are in MPL one. I'd be really intrigued to see if he can do that, but he's got a good solid call there that can play good football. Uh, I guess for them, it's about adding to what they've got and trying not to lose it throughout the season, because like you mentioned, they lost some key players throughout the season. All right. That's us done for the majority of the league before uh, we sign off. I haven't got your thoughts yet, uh, Chris, on uh, Tugger and United. Uh, they're going to be coming down. Uh, that sets up, you know, some possibilities, some Southern derbies there with um, with Brindies, that Tugger and derby. And then, of course, against Western, uh, Russ mentioned as well, uh, them against Queen is always a good game as well. So we're going to get to see some interesting uh, stuff from them. What do you expect from Tugger? I know it's, you know, too early to tell, but what do you think about Tugger uh, being in oh, look, when, next year. when I when I played first grade, uh, Western Tuggeranong was my favourite favourite uh, fixture of the the season. I, I loved that derby, and so it's it's good that well, not good for Tuggeranong that they're down there, but um, it's good for the rest of the league because um, look, I've got a very strong suspicion that Mitch is going to stay with the team, and I think if Mitch stays with the team, yep. then I think a lot of the players. <clears throat> will stay with the team. We kind of talked, you kind of mentioned it then, in terms of being unlucky. But that is a, it is a very good squad. It's pretty much the squad that was minutes away from making the top four last season. Yeah. Um, they, and, and again, you know, I like to talk, goal difference is probably the biggest indicator of the strength of a team. You know, leagues should be decided on points. But if you want to really look at whether a team is strong or not, goal difference... They were a team who didn't win a game, yet their goal difference was not negative 10, 12. It shows that they were only losing every single game by a single goal. They, they um, Whether it was Kuma, Deacon, it doesn't matter. And if you're only one goal behind those teams, it means you've, you've got a very, very strong team. A lot of players who I think a lot of first-grade teams will be after, but if Mitch can hold on to them... Um, they are going to be a very, very good team in this competition. Um, but in saying that, they will have uh, – they're not going to just bounce back immediately. Um, you know, it could happen, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. ANU, uh, a very, very strong team. If White Eagles can pick up just a few more players, if Ugali can pick up a few more players, um, really just to strengthen their squad so that they have enough – um, and if Queenbian, who knows what Queenbian are going to do, that I think that uh, Tuggeranong are going to have a very, very strong competition on their hands. But they will uh, bring, I think that they're going to have a quality team. There's some really, really good young players in that Tuggeranong team. Um, I know Mitch really likes working with those, those younger players. Um, so, you know, um, that Harry Truman and Harrison Bunnell. Yeah, look, Harrison Bunnell has a lot of uh, fans around, so he's going to be a hard one to hold on to. But I think that if uh, Mitch can hold on to him, then he's going to be a fantastic player in this competition. Um, so it'll be it'll be great um, to to 
to see how they go. It just really adds a lot of interest. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree. I think if Mitch stays, they have a good shot of um, getting back up. And if Mitch stays, like you mentioned, I think there's a good chance he can keep a good core of that group. Uh, Michael, any last thoughts before we sign off? Um, no, I, I guess just to quickly uh, talk about uh, Tuggeranong United being uh, relegated to MPL2. I think it, a lot will depend on, like you guys have touched on, whether Mitch um, will stay on um, as the coach heading into next season. And like Chris said, I have a feeling that he's going to stay um, at the club as well. So I know that he's been obviously at Tuggeranong for a while and he's built um, a really strong relationship with the club and, and some of the players yeah, in his team. And, and I know that those players love playing for him too. So I think if they're looking to keep those players, you know, re- re- to regionally keep uh, the same squad that we just saw in the MPL one this season for next season, I think that'll depend on um, if Mitch stays at the club. And yeah, I'm there's I have a strong feeling within myself as well, Chris, that he'll stay, um, that he'll stay on uh, next season as Tuggeranong look to um, go straight back up. And we know how difficult that that can be because um, the the club is obviously in a state where they've just been relegated and players' morale can can be a bit low and you have players that will want to seek other opportunities to play in MPL one, but we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but I'm going to be very intrigued to see how uh, Tuggeranong United uh, do. I look forward to the Tuggeranong Brindabella derby too. That'll be a, a good. So many derbies. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot in MPL two at the moment. Now there's even more. It's great. Uh, so yeah. Thank, uh, thanks for that. Uh, any last words, Chris, before you head off? Thanks for joining us as well. No, look, just thanks for having me. And look, I, I think uh, Matty Moore said something similar the other day, but it's just fantastic what you guys are, are doing for, for football in Canberra and um, hopefully you keep it up. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it indeed. And I'll see you back on for the uh, preview, MPL1 preview next year. MPL2 preview next year. Well, it's not, MB- it's not MPL2 anymore. It's... Uh, Capital Premier League. That's true. Have they announced it though? Yeah, I think they have. Uh, yeah, look, I think it's... Everyone knows. Everyone uh, knows, but I don't think they've really announced yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, regardless, uh, we'll see you for that preview. Um, yeah, so that's us for full uh, Canberra Football Show podcast for the season. There'll be little tidbits here and there, of course. Um, uh, before the end of the year, especially into the new year, we'll get those uh, previews going up. But for full... Canberra Football Shows, that's us for the season, episode 43. Thank you very much for all your support and we appreciate it and we look forward to uh, another cracking season of football next year. Thank you. Thank you.